Welcome to the final episode of our first season of Two for None. My name, of course, is Patrick Cullen, and I'm here with my delightful co-host, a gentleman who is slightly sick at the moment, Christopher T. Barty. Barty, how are your sinuses? How are you holding it together over there? Yeah, they're pretty blocked, mate. Um, <laughs> you know, you know, you know what my sinuses blocked? in the Australian men's batting order don't have in common? <laughs> What's that, Chris? One of them knows how to block. The ability to block. Uh, yes. Yep. Um, but sadly, we are coming in off the back of a absolute shellacking. I don't know how else to ref- recall it. Um, the South Africans well and truly pumped us. Chris, the good man Goodrick is going to be up later in the show, and I can only imagine how smug and how stoked that bloke's going to be. He's going to be off his chops, but we'll get to him a little later on. I'm also hoping that Tom uh, the Hawk Hawkey will be stopping by as well to give us an update from a British perspective. Fortunately, the Palms have just got pumped by the um, Kiwis, so maybe we can have a bit of a uh, bit of uh, relations there, Chris. A bit of friendly ties, friendly banter from the Hawk. We'll have to wait and see. Just so he's aware, uh, as terrible as we are, you're worse, mate. So, <laughs> can I just stay under the thumb? Great point, Chris. It's a great point, and I feel that we need to put that in stone in the uh, two for none. Just, just halls of halls of fame, mate. Uh, let's start with some positive news, shall we? Let's start Ooh. with something that went well, um, which is the Australian women's team. Who, of course, in this time of sadness for the Australian men's team, the Australian women's team have just been pumping along, winning games, not match fixing, not ball tampering, just like playing the game doing and and doing really well yeah. at it. Just killing it. Uh, so we have beaten the Poms in a 2020. Just the other night, uh, the Australian women made four for 209. Meg Lanning was the player of the match, as per usual. Chris, great to see her back. Great to see her doing so well. Yeah, definitely great to see the skipper back in town. Um, she is, of course, you know, arguably the best batsman in the Australian lineup uh, when fit and firing. Um, so great to see her, you know, uh, posting an 88 not out in the last match. You know it's a good innings when Elise Perry doesn't even get to bat. She doesn't even get there. You know, she doesn't even <laughs> even get to stroll over the white line. Like that's a, yeah, absolutely. That's a pretty good day out. The only sad news was friend of the pod, Beth Mooney, uh, was unable to get off. The mark got a got a golden. Got a golden. Got an abs- um, got a golden. Just in case Beth is listening, we'll, we will still be your friend. Uh, <laughs> We do have to be critical of you in this one instance because you've got to go on that. But as (laughs) Pat said, you are a friend of the pod. We haven't thrown you out. Um, uh, We know you haven't formally accepted our friend request either. Um, (laughs) But maybe now that your stocks are a little bit lower, you can allow us to buy some Beth Mooney stocks. That'd be great. Yeah, look... Just like Bitcoin, prices have come down, and uh, we are we are hoping to get on that train. Um, obviously, excellent work there. Elise Villani uh, got run out for fifty one. It's putting the Australians in a really strong position, and uh, the the Poms fell apart, which is lovely to see. Uh, a couple of key wickets there. Megan Schutt uh, took three for, which is which is pretty excellent. Uh, two for's to Delissa Kimmins. I haven't come across her Kimmins. before. Kimmins. Got a two for 35. Very nicely done. And Ash Gardner chipped in for two for 20. 
which is always pretty handy. Uh, any noticeable standouts for the Poms there? Natalie Skyver, who's a Scorchers player, I believe, Chris. Is that correct? I think you're right there. Yeah, you're right. Uh, she, she is a Scorchers player. Uh, look, obviously clearly played really well with uh, 50 runs of 42 deliveries at a strike rate of 119.05. Uh, um, you know, great to see... Important to get that in there, Chris. Important to be specific. Yeah, point oh five. <laughs> Um, well, of course, any more, and she would have been over the legal limit, Pat. Um, we drink a drive responsibly. Wait, don't drink a drive responsibly. That's an oxymoron. Don't know that. Um, Pump the brakes, CDP. Pump. Yeah. Well, don't get in the car in the first place, Pat. That's exactly I think right. Just, I was yeah. thinking in more mer- metaphorical terms, right. but I enjoyed your uh, escape there. <laughs> but let me let me tell you about Nellis uh, She had a great innings, uh, as we said, fifty-two runs of forty-two deliveries, five fours, and a strike rate of one hundred and nineteen point oh five. And of course, we do have a soft spot because she plays uh, in the WBBL for the Perth Scorchers, but unfortunately, it wasn't enough. Didn't get enough support. Got a little bit there in the form of Amy Jones in the middle order, with uh, thirty runs off twenty-eight deliveries. But it just wasn't to be enough on the day when the Aussies uh, just uh, were too ruthless with the with the uh, with the ball. And as you said, Pat uh, Megan Shook clearly the uh, the uh, standout with the ball, taking the ridiculous figures of three for fourteen. Um, <laughs> three for fourteen. I'll say that again. Um, and the economy rate of uh, three and a half, which for twenty twenty cricket is um, mental. Outrageous, yeah. actually, wild. I mean, it's it, the the women's team have really got a, a a tight bowling attack. Do you know, like they're just not giving away very many runs. Um, they're putting the under, opposition under a lot of pressure, and that's that's really lovely to see. And it's going to stand them in good stead when they come back to the, some of the longer format as well. It's good to see how their skills can transfer. Um, but unfortunately, Chris, I think uh, that that leaves us in the position of um, having to salute the women's team once more and say excellent work, and and shift our attention um, to the disaster that was our our match at Newlands. Can I just say, uh, sorry, at the New Wanderers in Johannesburg. Can I just say, uh, I wish at this point in time, I wish that we lived in an alternate universe. Oh yeah, where yeah, it yeah, was yeah, in fact women's sport that got ninety percent of the media attention. And men's uh, yes. sport that you've got ten percent of the media attention because, oh, this was tough. <laughs> no part of this was well. No, I'm not going to say that. There were good parts. There were always positives, always silver linings, Pat. But this was a tough watch. Do you know what was interesting, Chris? Was that when I was watching the, the updates come through for this match, it was like, oh, South Africa push ahead, but Australia fight hard, and then they end up with four hundred and eighty-eight. <laughs> Really? You're like, well, <laughs> I mean, I don't know how else you can sell it other than uh, I like the bit, we got I like the bit how some of the uh, the commentators are like, brave Aussies, fight on to a fifth day. Well, of course we're going to fight on to a fifth <laughs> bloody day. We've been fielding for six years. In fact, uh, in the time that the Australian team has like gone and taken the field, flying cars have been invented. Um, Elon Musk has gone to Mars and established a whole new utopia there. That's that's how long it took. Um, it was it was pretty demoralising stuff, Chris. Um, so South Africa won the toss. They elected to bat. 
and um, Aiden Markram got out onto the field, took a look around, um, bought his desk chair out. He bought himself, a, uh, you know, his favorite Netflix show, uh, maybe a campfire, maybe some marshmallows, and decided to settle in. Um, he really did make camp out there and uh, was there for approximately two years. Um, he made 152 runs off 216 deliveries, yeah. 17 fours, one six. Um it was pretty dominating, Chris. I don't know what else to say about it, oh, really. It was, uh, I mean, he, he was clearly the linchpin in the innings. Um, you know, it was pretty faultless, really, from start to start to finish. Um, yeah, and look, as long as... as it, we, we joked that he was out there for a while, but he did hit the ball at a pretty decent clip there, a strike rate of about 70, 71. Um, didn't create a lot of chances. Um, also, big shout to uh, uh, Tender Bavuma. Um, oh, you know, ninety-five yep. is pretty handy, and I think, you know, one of the other, one of the other things we talked about too, mate, throughout the series is the amount of runs we've given up to the tail end, um, mm. and we did it again. You know, uh, yeah. Maharaj with a handy forty-five at the end there. What's Maharaj doing, making forty-five runs? I mean, I mean, come on now, come on now. Yeah. I mean, it's it's yeah. so. We've talked about this before, Chris. That it's that's when we're the ones who are you know making the tail end runs. It's hilarious. It's really fun. It's a great time. Brilliant time. When you're on the receiving end, it is shocking. It's a little less. It is. <laughs> it's basically like you know workplace bullying is what it's like. Um, when you're the guy who's just like making a couple of jokes, thinking that they're really funny, um, then you're like, "Aha, this is really yeah. great." And then when you're on the receiving end, and you're actually like, "Actually, this is really not okay." Um, that's how I feel about. Well, it. man, like it's just. It was just a massive issue through for the Australians throughout the entire series. Um, you know, so many times we'd be in, you know, sort of okay positions. You know, I think it really at say um, six for two hundred and ninety nine, or even you know five for two hundred and ninety nine, if we'd managed to knock over the tail relatively quickly, then we're kind of still in the game. Anything less than four hundred, and we're and we're not looking too bad. But really, four eighty eight just becomes too too steep of a mountain to climb. Um, in terms of especially without Smith and Warner, mate. Uh, I mean, you know, you know, like <laughs> they've apologised. Can we can we bring them back? Um, look, <laughs> they said sorry. Can we have the number one and number five batsmen in the world back in our not, team, please? Not that I'm one to compromise my morals a short term game, but I'm pretty close. Um, <laughs> How about we suspend them for twelve months after yeah. the last test? Of the Suspended series? sentence. Anybody? Um, Time serves. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, God. Well, yeah, no, well put there, Chris. The only other innings of note was A.B. de Villiers, who was out for 69. Um, and look, so A.B. de Villiers goes, right? And we're well, five for 299. And you look at that and you think, okay, you know, Chad Sayers got a cap in this game after all those years of taking all those wickets. He got A.B. de Villiers out. Yeah. And he's like, in your soul, a little bit of a spark of hope alights. You sit there thinking to yourself, "Hey, wait a moment. We've got AB for virtually nothing here. How about we could we could this could be a thing?" Um, and then you know, Faf Duplessis goes for a duck, and you're like, "Hold the freaking phone! Like we're on here." Mm. Um, and next thing you know, Temba is in and gets 95 not out. Quinton de Kock makes 40. Vernon makes a you know 12, and Maharaj is there with 45. And yeah. you know, a a relatively attainable lead turns into an absolute mountain. Chris, you also know things are dire when you're throwing Matty Renshaw the ball. 
I don't mind it. For an over, for a single solitary yeah, over. Yeah, it's, it's not a good look. Um, it's not a... Well, I don't ball. really know. I mean, I guess you could throw Mitch the ball. That probably wouldn't have been, wouldn't have been bad. Um, yeah. He's an all-rounder after all. But there's probably not that many guys now, sort of batsmen, who can bowl a bit in the in the test side at the moment. I mean, you look kind of down yeah. the line, you're like, I don't know what Joe Burns bowls. I've never seen Kawaja bowl. Hanscom's a keeper. Sean Marsh will probably do a hammy. Um, Mitch mm. Marsh is an actual bowler. Um, so there's not really that many batsmen that can bowl, that can maybe throw the ball to the... To change ends, which has kind of been a characteristic of Australian international teams of years gone by. I mean, you think of the War Brothers and um, Damian Martin, Ricky Ponting. Um, you could all bowl and over if, if required. So, anyway, <coughs> that's something to work on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we'll put on the list, shall we, Chris? We'll put on the list of things to work on. Goodness, it's a long list. Do you know who doesn't need to work on as much at the moment? And it has been the absolute shining star. The best thing to come out of this whole test series has been Patrick Cummins. Straight up. Um, straight up. You know, 28 overs, five maidens, five for 83, economy rate of 2.88. Just to, just to think that in the fourth test of the series that Paddy Cummins got through 28 overs yeah. without hurting himself yeah. is a freaking miracle Weird. in itself. Weird. On top of that, to have taken five for 83 and gone for under three and over is just... I mean, he went for less... His economy rate was better than Hazelwood's. Like, let that sink yeah. in. Yeah, straight up. Look, I think um, as much as we talk about, you know, the fact that we weren't thrilled that the, um, the tail, you know, kind of got away with some runs, clearly 488 is, is probably too many to give away. Um, I think some real positives came, came out of our bowling attack from, from that innings. As you rightly point out, I think uh, Paddy Cummins... Um, you know, playing his ninth test match in a row, um, as you say, bowling 29 overs, leading the attack, taking a fifer. Um, I'd love to see him get the new ball. Um, yeah, he's, he's a real highlight. I think any time uh, anyone takes their first test wicket, let alone uh, A.B. de Villiers, with a pretty decent peach um, of a delivery, yeah. um, pretty decent rock, um, you know, I think he's a highlight. And... Uh, you know, Chad says, you know, absolutely uh, tip of the cap to you, sir, uh, you know, at a reasonable economy rate. And well-deserved well deserved. too, Chris. Like, if there's anyone that needed to be in the team, like, Chad really deserved a spot. It was sad to see Starkey get injured again, um, but at least he's got a bit of time to get himself back together. That's I right. mean, Australia needs Mitchell Stark more than ever going forward. Um, the next year is going to be tough. It's going to be tough, Yeah, Chris. it's going to be hard times. And, um Thankfully, we've, we've still got the goat in the squad, Gary Lyon, um, Nathan yes. Lyon. Look, tough, tough outing for um, uh, Big Nath. Uh, yeah, Markram particularly really went yeah. after him, looked to, to pump him. Yeah, clearly, you know, kind of targeted um, Nathan Lyon as, as the bowler to, uh, to push things along. And, you know, look, it's never fun conceding 182 runs in, a, in an innings, I think. Um we made fun of the young English lad earlier in the summer for doing a similar sort of thing. Um, I'd like to think there were a few nice false starts there from uh, from Nathan. Uh, but, you know, still took three wickets, put in a mountain of work, and look, while he went for clearly, you know, too many runs, um, it's good to see him bowling that often in, in difficult conditions. Yeah, and, and for Tim Payne, the new captain, too, to really look to him to, to be that wicket-taking option. Um, a tough day out for 
For Nathan Lyon, uh, the South Africans ended up making 488 in the end of their first innings. Um, and things did not go well for Australia. No, no, so they did not. Um, the top three from Queensland did not go so well. Renshaw was out for eight, Burns for four. Uzi stood around for 53, which I know would have warmed the cockles of your heart, mm-hmm. Chris, but really we needed him to make about 153. Um, Petey Hanscom chopped on first ball oh Petey what's going on with the chop on um, Sauce was around for 16 and from there it was it was pretty slim pickings the skipper and Paddy Cummins got together at the back end of the innings and, and hit some vital runs without which we were really looking like we were going to have to you know that they were going to enforce the fall we weren't going to make the follow on total um, it was looking really bad so it was very nice to see those two uh, come together and and again to see Paddy Cummins' credentials as an all-rounder further entrenched. I, I would like it known that I, uh, I called that Chris at the start of the Ashes summer, and that is the only thing that I've said that's been <laughs> correct on this whole podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um... Well, actually, I said two things. I said we were going to Paddy Cummins could well be an all-rounder, and that we were going to get pumped in this Test match. <laughs> yeah. Look, hey, look, uh, I'll give you both. We'll take your wins. Um. <laughs> Look, first of all, yeah, look, I, you're right. Um, good to see Usman make a 50 and uh, less than ideal kind of circumstances with not a lot around him. You're right. It would be nice to see him maybe kick on if, you, you know, if the opportunity presented, which it didn't and he didn't. So it wasn't nice, but um, good to, I guess, have him make some runs and hopefully that cements him uh, at the number three spot for the next little while. You know, you'd like to think that he's probably got a bit of a free run of it now. Now that uh, kind mm. of our, our top two um, uh, run scorers are out of the side for the next twelve months, um, yeah. I look, I think the highlight of the innings, you know, as you rightly point, it has to be Tim Payne, uh, captain's innings, um, <coughs> made in Test fifty, I believe, uh, as well for Tim Payne, um, which is great to see. Um, thoroughly well deserved. I think he's someone that um, you know can hold his head up high, uh, you know, for his performances over the summer. Uh, and, and particularly in this test match, in what must be, you know, there are the thinkable circumstances, really. Uh, and you're right, you know, five wickets from Paddy Cummins and a, and a 50 um, in each of the first innings um, is no mean feat. And great scene batting at number eight. I think that's probably where we'll see him him stay from now on um, and allow uh, uh, Starkey to free up the shoulders when he comes back. Yeah, and just let Starkey do what he does best, which is, which is hit sixes with abandon. Um, outside of that, though, Chris, it was it was pretty it was pretty devastating stuff, really. Yeah. Um, the South Africans spread the, the bowling out between them. Can I make a quick point here, mate, about my internal worry about Peter Hanscom? And, and uh, this is only a theory, and it's it's slightly probably left field of sorts. But I wonder if his uh, significant back and across stance, the way that he stands right back on the back foot close to the stumps, means that if he gets balls which are coming into him off a length, that he's more prone to chop on than someone with a more conventional technique. Because um, he's so inclined to to move backwards yeah. and his bat does take a bit of a, a non-direct route from back lift to yeah. through the ball. It, it can just mean that he's he can chop on. And we saw him do it in both innings here. And, and I really hope that if that is a technical deficiency, that it's something that he works on. Um, again, that's just me watching it and, and thinking about it. But I wonder if there's something in that. 
Paddy, you should definitely send him an email, mate. Um, <laughs> with some coaching points. I think he'd really like that. Um, I mean, who's more likely to know what's going on? Me, right, sitting at home in Sydney, or the batting coach of the Australian cricket team? Uh, um, well, I mean, have you seen the batting card lately? Um, well. No. Um, hey. Yeah, look, yeah, you could have an interesting point there, Pat. Um, we should uh, definitely put a marker in our recording here and, and play it back at a later date. Um, no, it's, look, it's an interesting point. I think the other point I'd make with um, Peter Hanscom is he's effectively been 12th man for the last um, or you know not part of the starting 11 for the past three test matches um, which is a long time when you're on tour um, so he hasn't really had a, had a hit out in the middle um, and then under pretty um, as we said unfavourable circumstances he's, he's then expected to go out and, and hold up the middle order look would have liked more but again if you haven't seen balls out in the middle for a little while um, you know, and it's, and it's not the same as a net sesh. It's going to be a tough time. So, I look. I think, yeah, as I said, I think you may have a valid point there. Um, but I think it might be also a little bit to do with the circumstances as well. Yeah, probably a, a bit from both worlds there, CTB. Um, suffice to say that Australia ended up all out for two hundred and twenty-one. And like I say, before Paddy Cummins came to the crease, things were pretty brutal. At one stage, we were six for ninety-six. Um, which is not a great day at the office, especially when you're chasing sort of 488 near 500. <laughs> mm. uh, Vernon was his incredibly economic self again, uh, got three for 30. Kagiso was ferocious, swung the ball and bowled a couple of absolute peaches to dismiss some folks. Um, and it was Mornay Morkel was pretty damn good as well. Um, only got one for 34, but bowled tightly and bowled well. And uh, it was, you know, as difficult as it was to watch this test match, it was good to see Mornay go out and yeah, high. Yeah. Um, he has been a real servant of South African cricket. And, and in his time and in, on his day, a, a devastating bowler. That height, that pace, um, yeah, quite ferocious, Chris. I'm not devastated to see the back of him, if I'm honest. Yeah, and I believe he has an Australian wife, so maybe we'll see him in the Big Bash uh, in uh, coming seasons. Hey... There you go. Yeah. It's also worth pointing out that uh, Maharaj got three for 92. The South Africans really did s- spread it out and, and bowled very well, which again is uh, problematic for Australians. And then, you know, came in in that second innings and, and things were sort of clocking along. Dean Elgar looked like he might hang around. We managed to get Aiden Markram out relatively early in the innings. Um, he went for 37. Dean Elgar made 81, and he really dug in, Chris. Yeah. 81 off 250 balls, 10 fours, 1 6, a strike rate of 32, <laughs> which gives you an idea which, of how fast that was clocking up. He really helped us push into a fifth day, Pat. Um, <laughs> good on you, Dean. Good on you, Dino. Good on you, Dino. Really just helped drive this thriller of a test for He gave the, uh, he gave the Cricket off. Australia Instagram caption something to, something to write. <laughs> it's important to keep those boys in work, too. I know that they are. Because they were scratching they their noodles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what can we write here? Everything goes to the dogs. Um, 
But, mate, we, we called it, actually. We said Faf Duplessis might be on for some runs, and boy, was he. Yeah. Um, it's the first time we've seen some runs from Faf in this series, and he made a lot, 120 off 178, strike record 62, two sixes, including a couple of absolutely massive ones. Um, 18 fours, was attacking, I'd go as far as to say swashbuckling um, in his innings. It was, yeah, it was, it was great to see Faf in full flight, but also devastating <laughs> from an Australian yeah. perspective just to like watch this game just to be like when you get bowled out of a game it tends to happen really quickly you know it, it tends to be that you just fall apart but when yeah. you get battered out of a game it can take days it's a slow death for sure um, absolutely look in your eye I mean Faf had battered terrifically um, I don't really know what the thinking was behind Dean Elgar um taking his time maybe he just figured he'd bat because he could um don't know but there was a couple of positives to take out of this uh from a showing perspective uh you know we pointed to paddy cummins earlier uh in the in the pod talking about his fifer in the first innings he took another four wickets in the second innings making nine for the match so decent effort there um again nathan lyon got through an absolute mountain of work 41 overs um two for 116 um, this time at a much more favourable economy rate of uh, 2.82. But you know what What the one positive of the, uh, the... The one massive positive of the South African second innings was, Pat? Do you know what the biggest positive was? I would love to know, Chris. I'm struggling to find it. The tail didn't make any runs, Pat. Hey! <laughs> and why is that, Chris? Why did the tail not make any oh, runs in this innings? A little declaration. I mean, I don't know. Something about that, but <laughs> potentially because they didn't bat. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, exactly, and that's the aim. Um, you know, we'll take it. In fact, the one tailender who did bat was the Vern, and he was uh, 33 not out. So that trend did look set to continue. I mean, we rely so heavily on Starkey to dismantle those tails, and yeah. without him, you just you just notice it for sure. You know, it's just palpable in its nature. Um, yeah, but excellent innings there from Faf. And, and you know, again, like it, it wasn't fun to, as an Australian supporter to watch, but Temba is just such a great batsman to watch at the crease. He's got so much energy. Uh, he's all over the joint. He's so quick between wickets. Um, he's such a little bloke. He must only be about four foot tall, um, but he's on the back foot and he plays hooks and pulls and he crunches balls through point. It's He's a lot of fun. Um, so that that was that was entertaining. Uh, Australia used a lot of bowlers. Matty Renshaw got three overs this innings, Chris, yep, just to yep, uh, yep. chalk that down. Um, but by and large, it was pretty tough going. The only guys who walked away with wickets were Paddy Cummins, as you mentioned, with four for 58. Um, economy of 3.2 there. And, and like you said, Nathan Lyon got two for. Outside of that, Hazelwood, Sayers, Cummins, Marsh, and Renshaw all went wicketless. Mate, I'm only just thinking about this now on the fly, but Josh Hazelwood didn't have the blinder of a series that we would have liked. No. And that's... <laughs> no. <laughs> put simply? Put simply. Um, no, not ideal. It wasn't bad. Uh, I, I don't know if he was bad, but yeah, right. He didn't um, didn't set the world on fire. And and when we're lacking those real... I mean, when there's Cummins there, obviously. It was... It was you know, going for it. Um, but like when, when you were, you're lacking in Starkey, when, when people are coming in and out of the team, we actually really need those guys like 
um, like our dear Hazelwood to, to really stand up. And maybe conditions didn't suit him. Maybe he had a few niggles. Um, but, oh, oh mate, Paddy, it would have just might, been really You might nice. remember one of my favourite words from a previous podcast was triumvirate. Triumvirate? Oh, yes. Where it's yes, like, like yes, a, yes, yes, yes. Uh, you know, a threesome. Um, we can't really have a triumvirate. If uh, one of the if one of the pace bowlers is out injured and the other one is uh, not having his best series, um, <laughs> so that's okay. Look, uh, I think you know Joshua Hazwood's uh, performances on the on uh, on the Australian uh, scene on the international scene have been on a general incline. So you know progress is rarely linear, Pat. Progress is rarely linear. We've, we've seen that this test match. We've had a down bump. <laughs> Um, and we're due for Give a down bump. We're due for an up bump. Um, the good news is we've got a little while to prepare for our next test series. Uh, yeah, and look, like, can you imagine if we had to go into another test series from here? It'd just be, it'd be straight up the yeah, worst. Can we play um, Bangladesh, or <laughs> even then, I think we get pumped at this yeah, moment. Uh, yeah. like, did we get beaten by Bangladesh recently? We did get beaten by oh, Bangladesh. Yeah, not good. Shut it down. Not good. <laughs> Shut it down. Shut it down. Let's do an AFL podcast. Um, so uh, let's just finish this thing out, mate, and just get through the pain, shall yeah. we? The last innings can only be referred to as the Vernon Philander show. Yeah, yeah. Um, there, there's, there's nothing much else we can say about it. Vernon was extraordinary. Uh, he bowled with swing, with seam, um, and with incredible accuracy. He got six for 21 off 13 overs. He was going for 1.6 and over. Australia were bowled out for 119 and the scorecard is dismal reading. I've read um, novels from Russians um, written in the dead middle of winter. I've read Chekhov plays which have more joy in them than this batting card. Um, it is truly a thing of infinite cosmic sadness. The only thing that was, was good news was that Joey Burns made 42 off 80. Um, and it was nice to see Joey hitting some runs and finding his feet in, in difficult conditions. But, mate, what can we say about Vern? I mean, for a bloke who bowls 120 k's an hour, he, he totally disproves Buff's theory about velocity yeah. um, being the necessary component. Yeah. It, um, I mean, we got diddled, really, didn't we? Um, we got diddled by Vern. Uh, no, look, he's always been um, a pretty ferocious character and... I think we talked earlier, uh, you know, uh, before the series um, about the the way that we've been tormented in the past by the likes of Stain, Walker, and Philander, and um, you know, clearly Philander um, has still got some sting in the tail, and um, just a, an incredibly difficult uh, uh, player to bat uh, against and bowl against. Actually, you know, he's decent with uh, decent with the stick. Um, when he's when he's up and about and firing and, and when he's confident, um, you know, gee, he's a tough proposition and, and I think we saw that in, in the most recent test match. Yeah, and mate, you know, for a guy who's thirty two, nearly thirty three, it, it doesn't look like he's in any kind of stop anytime soon. Um, just to give you a little indication that, you know, young Vern He's got himself 204 wickets at an average at 21. You know, he's got a best bowling for a match of 10 for 102. Um, this was his best bowling figures in test matches against us. Right, so, right. I mean, far out. Yeah, I mean, so clearly, you know, he's hitting his straps and, um, 
you know, fair play, fair play to the guy. I mean, he just bowled extraordinarily well and showed what a world class bowler that he is. Absolutely dismantled us. Um, Petey Hanscom made himself a 24 before he chopped on again, um, which was a bummer. Um, Sauce made seven. Mitch was out for a duck. Tim Payne made seven. Cummins was one. Nathan Lyon was nine. And from there, it was it was pretty sad goings. Josh Hazelwood bumped the old average there by getting nine not out. Uh, and, and, you know, batting, getting a few more runs than, you know, than most of the top six. So good on you, Josh. Nicely done. Um, Kigiso, I think, was carrying an injury, so uh, he he didn't bowl that much. He bowled eight overs, didn't get a wicket. Um, but yeah, Vernon was just unstoppable. Mornay picked up two wickets in his final innings, and it was a good send off for him. Oh, 100%. But, uh, and then look, Chris, yeah, again, tip of the hat to Mornay for a, an exceptional career, and um, well done to him. And, and, and Vernon absolutely deserved player of the match. He was exceptional in this test. But Chris, I think um, we got to acknowledge that Australia was not up to scratch, not up to task. Oof. wasn't wasn't in the challenge, mate. Yeah. We weren't in this game it's, at any it's point. A funny one, like we were clearly, you know, so good um, in the first Test match in in Durban, and and you know we looked we looked all the world like we were going to play really well for the entire series. And you and I were both up and about. Um, we were Chris. We were up and about. We were definitely up yeah, and about. Style, but uh, <laughs> they were heady days. Heady, heady days. Heady, heady days. But, you know, we got we got beaten between the years, and we got you know. I think that's where we really lost the, the Test series. To be honest, um, you know, I, I think if you look at our you know best eleven versus South Africa's best eleven, you know, as we said um, prior to the Test match, it was. It was supposed to be a very, very even series. And yeah. uh, I think they just, you know, they, they beat us at the mental game. And, um, you know, we, we kind of cracked under the pressure. Uh, or, well, I don't maybe not cracked under the pressure, but certainly made made uh, some decisions that you otherwise wouldn't. But that's test cricket, isn't it? So that's what makes it such a fascinating game. And um, look, m- looking forward, you know, obviously we don't have a test series for quite some time I'm not even sure who we play next uh, you know, uh, is it India at home I in a series against Pakistan in Pakistan right. well I mean that doesn't get any easier because I, I think we lost that one too zip last <laughs> time as well so uh, uh, you know what we need to do yeah. he's actually put out a gum, gum tree ad um, oh yeah can you play spin um, or or we should use modern technology and like put something out on air tasker and just, oh. just be like look to continue looking for someone to play spin uh, for thirty overs <laughs> in Pakistan, fifteen dollars you know plus expenses. I wonder, Chris, if uh, there isn't a a Tinder style app, sure, um, where where people could you know swipe right on <laughs> playing spin spin in Pakistan for the Australian cricket team, uh, and see if we couldn't get a couple of matches, yeah. maybe um, bump ourselves up to, to some kind of super like option, and um, see if we couldn't get some fellas. I mean, I, I know there's a couple of retired um, greats of the game who are who are knocking around. I mean, what's Sangakara doing now? Can we can we give that bloke? a cheeky bit of citizenship yeah. see if we can't just roster him on sure. for, for a couple I'm of sure. tests you know Sang is Sang is about he played the like Hurricanes hey, hey he loves Tassie he loves Tassie he loves it he's Tassie he loves boy it. 
Uh, He's a Tassie boy. <laughs> Kuma Hobart Ta- Sangakara. That's what the yeah, people yeah, call yeah, him. Yeah. Um, he's so Tasmanian. He's even started growing a second head. Um, <laughs> no, I don't know. No, no, he hasn't started growing a second head. No one would do that. <laughs> Before we go disparaging Tasmanians too much, we do love everyone down in Tassie. It's a wonderful place. Um, we do need to mention that Kagiso has got himself a pretty nasty injury. Oh. Um, he's got lower back tightness in the last innings of the Wanderers, and he's been diagnosed with a lower back stress um, reaction. Right, it's going to rule him out of cricket action for up to three months. And he couldn't, he couldn't have done that from... before the last Test match. Oh, what a you Right, <laughs> pretty. You knew we were down, Kagisa Rabada. You knew we were down, mate. You knew we were struggling. You've got to get back, You just got to set this one out. You've been pretty damaging, right? Been pretty amazing. You player just... of the series. And maybe you know they could have put an ad out being like pace bowler wanted and just got some absolute mug yeah. you know to come in That's and replace right. like an air just to do us a favour air tasker air tasker absolute mug wanted to bowl average medium paces at Australians you know what I, I would have been happy to go out and pretend that I was Sean Pollock coming out of retirement and uh, bowl some absolute junk to the Australian men's team try, try and give him a bit of an upper hand sure. um, if South Africa would let me I'd happily don the uh, the rainbow flag and, and get out there if that happened yep yep um, I don't think they would under any circumstances. Not even air tasker. <laughs> if you offer a competitive rate. You know what? I think mean, I could put it at a really competitive rate, Chris. And I sure, public still... impersonation. Like, surely there's a market somewhere for oh, someone. There's got to be. Like at a party. There's got to be. You know. Mm. That's probably your party, to it had be, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. It had to be a party full of yarpies. That'd be the only way that that'd, that'd go down. Um, Chris, let's 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 look ahead from here, mate. And I've got a, I've got a couple of questions that I want to run by you here. And I think they're the questions that are on the minds of the Australian people, um, the Australian cricket fans. So so, is our best opening combination going forward going to be Renshaw and Burns? Um, do we really like Petey Hanscom in the middle order there? Um, does Glenn Maxwell fit into this side? Um, is how do you see the batting lineup working going forward, CTB? Look, uh, super, super interesting, isn't it? Um, to see what's going to happen. Uh, I'm going to throw out a bit of a smoky, bit yeah. of a smoky. Um, mm-hmm. Look, uh, Joey Burns made obviously made 42 in the second dig, but he's also had a bit of success in the middle order for for Australia in his previous stint. Um, mm. What might be an interesting concept potentially is to throw Sean Marsh to the top of the innings. He's Sean Marsh was oh, yeah. an opener back in the day. Um, yep, he has opened for Australia too. Yeah, I believe. I believe you're right. I think he has opened for Australia. So look, uh, that might and he's not a bad player of uh, of spin either. So that might get him on the tour to uh, uh, Pakistan, um, and he could just be an experienced head um, at the top of the order. No, I mean not that Joe Burns isn't experienced, but. Uh, you know, you might get a bit of a two contrasting styles there with Renshaw and uh, and March. Could be an interesting option. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, you know, as we talked about uh, sort of prior to the last test, uh, the Queensland combination, the Queensland connection is pretty strong. So, and clearly they've had a successful Sheffield Shield season, so they know each other's games pretty well. Um, so, in answer to your question, Pat, I've got no idea, mate. Oh. <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, I think there's a few options bagging about, uh, but 
look, I, I'd say you've, you, you've probably got to stick with Renshaw for now for a little while to back him in. And, and Joe Burns has made a mountain of runs in the Sheffield Shield that you just can't ignore. Um, so I think they'll both be the test side. Um, look, uh, as you say, Petty Hounskin's an interesting one potentially to open open the batting. Um, but I'd, I'd like to see him maybe, maybe solidify himself in the middle order first. Um, but I think Sauce could be a bit of a wild card potentially to throw up there opening the batting. Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it, too? And and Tim Payne might, might mess with that as time goes by. I mean, we mentioned it a bit on our last pod, Chris, but we have to take a moment to, to acknowledge the Stephen Bradbury of Australian cricket. Um, I thought Tim Payne was going to be installed as a, as a temporary captain for the rest of this series, but it looks like Cricket Australia have picked him as their guy. Yeah, he's been endorsed. and. He's been endorsed. He's been endorsed as as the as the skipper going forward, and it's a pretty bold choice, you know. Adam Gilchrist captained a couple of tests, um, and then outside of that, there was I think Barry Jarman did one in the, in the 60s or 70s, and pre that, our last captain wicketkeeper was way back in the 1930s. So, uh, not really known for uh, captaining and wicketkeeping Australia. I mean, obviously the biggest exponent of that was the great MS Dhoni, mm. um, but Chris, it's it's a lot of responsibility. It's a really big ask, especially for a team in transition for the wicketkeeper to be the captain. Well, look, um, I, I heard, I think it was Warney actually saying that maybe play him as a specialist batsman and bring Alex Carey in as a, as, a, as the keeping oh, yeah, option. It's, it's, not a bad, it's not a bad idea. So I don't know. Look, I, I, what, did you, what do you make of all that? I think um, what you get with Tim Payne is just a really solid citizen. Um, and that's what... I think the Australian selectors have gone for with with a T pain in making Australia's forty sixth Test captain. Um, is that this is a guy who is about as uncontroversial as you get. He's run of the mill. Um, let's not forget he's captain Tasmania whilst wicket keeping for a, a long time. Um, True, you know, and done a good job. Um, well, he's been in, you know, along with George Bailey, they've kind of shared leadership responsibilities there for for a long time. Um, so he knows how to lead a team. Um, he knows how to lead a team and wicket keep. Um, I think coming at number seven, you know, um, if he can make contributions like he's been making throughout the summer, um, you know, throughout the Ashes, we saw him sort of make handy 30s and 40s. Um, and then obviously in this most recent test uh, against South Africa, he made a really hard fought 62. And even in the in the uh, warm up games against uh, England, when he captained, captain and uh, batted seven, he made some handy fifties, which of course led to his selection in the Australian team. Inspired selection, some might say. Um, I'd be inclined to agree with that, actually. Yeah, absolutely. So, look, I, I think maintaining him in his current role, where he's performing well a, as a solid citizen, I think is a, is a great thing. You know, do I think you're going to get Adam Gilchrist uh, 2.0 out of Tim Payne at this stage? No, I don't. Um, but do I think you're going to get a guy who um, is going to steady the ship and perform his role um, and is well respected by the team? Absolutely. Um, you know, one of the things that he did before the last test match, which I really liked, was that he um, institu- instituted the uh, football or, uh, or soccer, if you prefer, tradition of the opposition shaking hands um, prior to the test they kind of line up next to each other and then they go and shake each other's hand and he did that as a as a sign of sportsmanship and, and goodwill towards South Africa after obviously a, uh, a less than desirable third test so I, <laughs> I don't mind it I, I think the other thing that potentially what it does is it gives 
you know, we, we spoke about some other potential options to caption Captain Australia last week. I think the two others that kind of came to mind were um, uh, Sean, Mar- sorry, Mitch Marsh and uh, mm. Usman Khawaja. Um, and Usman Khawaja, again, has obviously done a good job captaining Queensland uh, and still managed to make a, a lot of runs um, at, at Shield level, but hasn't made enough runs to really justify his selection and the additional responsibility as captain. Um, justifies uh, well I should say solidifies long term selection um, and we sort of talked about Mitch Marsh as well um, you know uh, only having recently sort of solidified his position in the Australian middle order um, with bat and ball whether or not this might be too much too soon so the, the thing about selecting Tim Payne as captain that I really like is it gives Australian selectors kind of a minute to have a bit of breather give them some perspective mm. and look I wouldn't be Shocked, it wouldn't shock me if in 24 months' time we see one S. Smith return to the throne. Um, big call, big early call, yeah. SATB, big early call. What, what's make you feeling that in your heart? Well, look, I think, um, I mean, obviously, we've seen the way that he's batted over the summer. I think he's a you know, he's generally a pretty astute captain. Um, clearly uh, needs to be more assertive, um, you know, in the in, in the dressing room. You know, probably made a bit of a mistake there, not being assertive enough uh, with the ball tampering thing. But um, yeah, just the installation of someone like Tim Payne, who who seems uh, like a great placeholder, but a placeholder nonetheless, um, makes me think yeah. that uh, that. They're Maybe that's what they're keeping going the for. door open either for someone like a Mitchell Marsh or an Aussie Kawaja to make their case uh, and if they don't make their case then for Steve Smith they have 12 months to make some runs and then to return to the top job so interestingly today on the uh, Two for None Facebook page facebook.com forward slash two for none all one word get on it uh, folks uh, Elliot McCann friend of the pod uh, hello L, how are you uh, champion uh, he posted that he reckons that there should be wholesale changes, that the the, the entire organisation needs to be rebuilt from the ground up. Um, and, and I understand where he's coming from um, with that desire. Um, and, 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 you know, I don't know that that's going to be a thing. We don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. But um, Cricket Australia have, have today announced that they're going to be uh, in uh, an investigation is going to be going on into the culture the organisation and the governance issues in uh, Cricket Australia. And the great Rick McCosker will be at the forehead, the forehead, um, uh-huh. at the forefront. <laughs> that's, that's the one. Use your words, Pat. It's going to be at the forefront of that. Uh, McCosker, of course, famous for having his jaw broken in a test match and batting through the second innings. So a tough cookie, CTB, to be in charge of that. But I guess I've got I've got a two-pronged question sure. for you here, mate. So what, how do you feel about L's call that we need wholesale changes? And two, um, what do you make of CA announcing the McCosker to be the man to, to investigate? Uh, well, first of all, um, 100%. Um, you know, I think the review is a good idea. Um, you know, is Rick McCosker the man? I guess we'll, we'll wait and see. I guess my only concern with that is whether it's this is another case of cricket investigating cricket um, mm. and, you know, um, whether or not someone that was 
truly independent and outside of the game needed to come in and, and have a look. Um, you know, I you know potentially would have preferred someone like uh, Richie McCall, uh, maybe as opposed to Rick McCosker. Oh. Um, you know, someone completely outside of cricket to have a, a purely... A, Do you know who would have loved to have this job? Who's that? John Howard. Former Australian Prime Minister John Howard, with his little bushy eyebrows would have lit right up. They would have lit up more when he tried to play a uh, gross slug across the line <laughs> playing against the Australian side. My only concern with that is the same concern I have with cricket and rest of the cricket, and that's uh, whether or not John Howard would be able to remain objective uh, given his love of the game. Um, yeah, gratuitous. But uh, look, well, I guess we'll wait and see. You know, I mean, clearly they've they've elected McCosker for a reason. As you say, he's he's a pretty tough bugger. So we'll see what happens. I think that's I look. So I think that's absolutely the right call. I think uh, once the review is complete, you know, hopefully they actually implement the recommendations and uh, and then we can put this thing to bed and become uh, better for it. Um, in terms of top to bottom um, uh, wholesale changes at CA. Um, look, I think the decision of, um, first of all, I want to applaud uh, Smith, Bancroft, and finally Warner um, for accepting the bans. I think from a public relations standpoint and from the standpoint of protecting, well, um, you know, protecting and, and I guess now enhancing their own reputations, um, I think that's a really helpful thing that they've done and, and it would have been very easy to turn around and say, hang on, these punishments are a bit harsh given that Everyone else just gets gets a week, and we've got a year. Um, but they, they copped it on the chin. So I think that was very good. Um, I also think, um, you know, whilst... Look, I, I choose to... Be, it's controversial, but I choose to believe Darren Lehman that he didn't know what was going on. Um, you know, not everyone shares that view, but that's my view. Um, but I do think it was the right thing that he chose to resign because I think sometimes when you're associated with this sort of thing, you can kind of get stuck with a bit of a stink bit of a smell yeah um, bit of a stench bit of a stench and it kind of un, you know fairly or unfairly it, it does kind of stick with you for a while and you know it wafts and, and the media the, it, wafts it wafts like Mark Craig's tasty tasty pies <laughs> ah the great Mark Craig um yeah so look I, and, and I think you know what this allows for is is for the Australian cricket team to have a fresh start uh under a under a new um under new leadership, under new management, if you like. So I think those are all really positive things. Um, look, it's an interesting question about James Sutherland, isn't it? The CEO of Cricket Australia. Um, yeah. I think there's a couple of things, couple of points to be made, um, both for and against. I, look, I think, first of all, he's been in the job a long time, um, you know, and maybe, you know, you know, we, we see obviously in politics where, the US, U.S. president can only sit for eight years and all that kind of thing. And, um, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, I think recently, you know, Hawthorne Football Club put it, put term limits on their presidents, even though Jeff Kennett's come back for a second time around. Um, but, you know, <laughs> the Robert Mugabe kind of at the Hawthorne Football Club. <laughs> so you wonder about, um, you know, whether or not it might be time for a change at the top level. Um, you know, but that having that being said, you know, I think, you know, James Southern's led a lot of really positive things for um, for Australian cricket. You know, I think the, the big bash and the women's big bash and the development of the Southern Stars, um, you know, and, and the, you know, record broadcast deals and all those sorts of things and the, the digital innovation for Cricket Australia are all things that have happened under 
James Sutherland's watch. And whilst I don't think that he's necessarily sitting there coding for the uh, live streaming, um, <laughs> I, you know, he obviously you know has has overseen that in some capacity. So those are some positive things he's done. You know, I guess it's really up for him to decide uh, whether or not um, you know this is a good juncture for his departure. Um, it was interesting. It's yeah, it's a tough one, isn't it, mate? I mean. Here's the thing: if, if everybody lost their jobs, yeah. right, and a whole new slate of people came in, you wouldn't be able to ensure a uh, transition. You know that yeah. that it would throw the whole the team, the organisation into such turmoil that it may take years to get over. At this point, we've lost three key players and and a key coach so maybe has still having some of those administrators stay where they are for the moment until that's being able to sort out and then maybe those people can step aside if they feel that that's the thing that it requires like i i think that i understand elliot's reaction to it you know wanting to just get all these suckers out of there for for what they did to us in a way um but i think that as i've come to be a bit more chilled about this whole series of events, the ball tampering fiasco and, and everything else. Um, I'm starting to think that what we want is, is, is what's so wonderful about democracy, you know, a peaceful transition of power um, and to have that gently slide. And I'm sure that over the course of time, when, when the people in those positions feel that it's required um, or feel that the organisation is in the spot where they can, they will step aside if, if new blood is required. I guess CTB, um, it's just such a huge, huge period of transition. And, and I guess for, for what I'd like to do for the last part of the show, mate, for our last show of this season, is, is to just wind back the clock, CTB. Just to, just to take a moment to put a pin in all the horrendousness that's been cricket in the last sort of two weeks that's made us like very sad and very angry and all the other bits. And um, take a moment to... Uh, think of, of the things you really loved about this summer. So, give me give me a couple of highlights, Chris. What what were your favourite things that happened this summer? What made you love the game of cricket even even more than usual? Uh, well, look. First of all, I actually want to give a big shout to someone that didn't take part in the international summer, and that's uh, that's Maxi Klinger, uh, Michael, Michael ah. Klinger. Uh, big shout, Michael Klinger. Um, of course, uh, you know, veteran of the domestic scene for many, many, many years. Um, actually captain an Australian under-19s team uh, many moons ago, which I didn't know. Uh, and, and you know, uh, was as a junior was slapped. I believe that was in the Stone Age, Chris, um, at the beginning of time itself. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maxi Clinton was there with a, uh, a slate bat um, battling against dinosaur hair rolled into a ball-shaped thing. Yes. Um, obviously, the field was bones, um, the the dead of his enemies. However, so did we it's great to see. 1998. Um, <laughs> it was a hard time for us all. I remember Napster. Um, no. Um, so uh, yeah, look, no big shout out to because uh, incredible career. Uh, first of all, across three states: uh, Victoria, South Australia, and finally West Australia, where arguably he's had uh you know i mean it's it, i think it's been the, sh- the shortest stay of, of any of his states but arguably where he's had uh one of his most lasting impact and um really become a fan favorite with with cricket lovers in western australia and um it's been a pleasure to watch him bat for uh wa and uh for the perth scorchers 
Um, you know, I, I don't know if you had an opportunity to read his piece on Cameron Bancroft um, yeah. in the Post Tribune during the week. Um, but I thought it was really, really lovely piece and really well written. It just speaks volumes of the man who scored a mountain of runs. Um, and of course, um, you know, going through his own, uh, um, his family's own uh, battle at the moment. Um, so he, he's a highlight for me. Um, you know, I, I loved seeing him get his, his 2020 uh, international debut last year. That was terrific. I, I feel like he was a bit stiff not to uh, have higher honours in other formats of the game. Um, particularly as Australia's search for an opening batsman. But that's gone now. We've moved on. Um, the second highlight for me uh, throughout the series, uh, or throughout the summer, look, I have to give a sh- big shout to the WBBL. Um, I had a brilliant time there at Lilac Hill. I thought it was a really great show that the Perth Scorchers put on and, and the, the package that's WBBL and the way that it's developing as a whole. I've really enjoyed uh, you and I following the women's game uh, this summer. Yeah, me too, mate. I think it's been great. Um, you know, and it's it's funny watching um, watching uh, the women's sport in, in not in itself as the game itself is funny, but it's more the the different things about cricket that you appreciate watching uh, women play as opposed to watching men play. Um, you know the um, they are obviously just as competitive and the games are just as ferociously contested um, but sometimes the means to the end are slightly different and, and it's it's really interesting to watch different people play the great game of cricket um, in different ways and, and I really enjoyed watching and, and following the WBBL and of course the uh, the Ashes test as well with Elise Perry scoring a, a, a double hundred which was uh, insane so just those, those are a couple of highlights. And, and Chris, yeah, I mean, I've got to admit too, mate, that the pre-recording this podcast, you and I did talk about actively wanting to follow the women's game and and include it in what we were doing, so we didn't become too much of a bloody boys club, which we probably are anyway. But in doing that, it meant that we started really paying attention to it, and we got a, a whole new appreciation really for for the athletes involved and the, and the game itself. And I and I've I've found that to be really really positive in my life as well. Um, and and yeah, I completely agree, mate. It's been such a hit, and it, and it's so great. And it's it, it you know I'm starting to wonder why it took us this long for this to be a thing. You know, it feels like all the women's games, are, you know, AFL women's is, is gathering huge momentum. Matildas are a really big thing as well um, across the board. And it's great to see that the Cricket Australia is putting the resources in to make the WBBL and, and other women aspects of the women's game such a thing. Um, but it is also kind of ridiculous that it's taken this long to get to this point. Um, I'm happy we're here. Yeah, yeah, I, just, I just feel like it should have happened a little yeah, while ago. Okay. I mean, like many things, you know, pro- progress is slow and... Um we were pretty slow. <laughs> Society was pretty slow on this pretty, one. Um, but we, pretty but we're slow. You know, started from the bottom, now we're here. Um, hey, that's yeah. right. Any other highlights, mate? Any other things that, that really warmed the cockles of your heart? Uh, oh, look, the Marshmallows playing well in the in the, uh, the the Ashes series was really nice. Um, I think, uh, look, it's a funny one, but I think watching Mitch Marsh uh, block him out at the MCG... Um, to help yeah. Australia hang on for a draw was great. That was just a completely different side of his character that we had never seen before. And really, you know, as much as his innings at the Wacker was spectacular, this was almost even more meaningful because it showed that he had more than one dimension to his game. So that was fantastic. 
Um, I think the vindication of selection of Sean Marsh, who I advocated for strongly. Um, you did say to You're in his corner. Praise the Lord. Uh, you know, it was great. And look, I don't know realistically you know, how long you know, Sean Marsh is going to be able to continue to play for Australia. Uh, I hope a long time. Uh, but he definitely has this series to hang his hat on. And when people look back on his career, you know, they're having their debates about, you know, what's up with Sean Marsh. We'll be able to point to this series and say, this Ashes series and say, he could play. Like, beyond doubt, he could yeah. play. Um, so that was great for me. Yeah, mate, absolutely. The Marsh brothers were spectacular. Um, I guess for me, my my number one highlight, and this is a very specific one, but it was Starkey's ball that um, reversed and hit off the cracks to David David Milan at the Wacker. Um, that thing to me was the highlight of my entire cricketing summer. It was absolutely outrageous, completely gratuitous. It bended physics. It bended my mind. Um, that was a real highlight for me. And while I'm doing specific highlights, um, I, I called Gary Lyon as his uh, caught and bowled um, in the first innings in Brisbane as the catch of the summer. And look, I mean, people told me, Pat, maybe you've been a, you maybe you've just uh, called that one slightly early. But you know what, Chris, I, I'm going to tell the people of Chief and Nut, go back and watch the highlight. That is that is extraordinary. Um, that is a heck of yeah, a grab. A and the Ashes series. <laughs> He did. He uh, he absolutely flew. Uh, I'm pretty sure that he um, put on the rocket boosters and did the full Tony Stark in that moment. Um, that was that was a big highlight for me, mate. And and I think that the the Ashes series in general. I really love watching Tommy the Date Curran um, bowl 120 kilometers an hour, but look like he was bowling 160. Um, and, and just to see a really talented young cricketer. Um, coming up and over and look even though we got absolutely pumped in this test series um, and we lost the one day is um, it was great to see us win the 2020s bizarrely against New Zealand um, and do so well in that format and to see young blokes like Darcy Short and um, some Chris Lynn insanity um, come out and and really and show that we can play that version of the game um, and uh, really Glenn Maxwell's 100 as well let's not oh. forget with a six, oh. the last ball. Honestly, that bloke, he's just a freak. It's going to be really interesting what happens with him. Uh, so there's some big highlights for me, mate. And I guess the other thing that's been a really big highlight for me, Chris, has been doing this doing this ridiculous pod right. of ours. Uh, mate, it's been absolutely lovely. It's been really, really fun. Yeah, it's been a and, um, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, we've people have listened to it. And uh, my last check at our stats, we've had over a thousand people. Oh. Um, tune into the pod, um, which is kind of crazy, really. So um, thank you to everyone who has listened to this. I, I really appreciate it. And um, it's been a lot of fun. And Chris and I will be back, I think. Uh, do you want to do this again, mate, when we get to the next summer? Well, there are two innings in uh, every match, Pat. So uh, <laughs> mind you, we'll probably fucking follow on. But um, yeah, no, we'll be back. The we'll way back, things mate. are going. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, look, let's hear from our um, let's hear from our South African correspondent Chris, the good man Goodrick, for the last yarn from a yarn. Sabona, Kwiamoto, good day Australia, good day Patty, and good day CTB. Well, boys, what a series it's been, eh? 
I think uh, if we look back at our sort of the first podcast, um, we were all saying it's going to be bloody close. And um, it, it really has been an absolute demolishing um, of the Australians by the Proteas. Um, yeah, I think we, we weren't really expecting it. Um, you know, on paper, it really looked like um, things would have been different. But um, yeah, obviously, I think the, the massive turning point, um, you know, second test and third test, um, and obviously the fourth test was just a sort of foregone conclusion. So yeah, I, I think the highlights for me from the series, um, or probably the most clinical moments um, for the South African sort of side or, or aspect, was obviously the second test uh, with Rabada bowling so well and AB de Villiers. Um, both, you know, those two performances from those two key players, I think, really turned the series around for us. And then the third test, I thought Dean Elgar's 141 um, and also Morkel's five-wicket haul was great. Um, that was also two clinical performances and, and really so good to see um, Mornay, um, you know, really contribute in his last series. Quite interestingly, I thought I'd just bring up, you know, obviously it's it's quite a sad time for the Aussies, um, you know, with all the, the off-field stuff and the, and the um, ball tampering stuff. Um, but I think the Aussies will b- bounce back. Um, South African cricket was in a little bit of trouble, probably not the same sort of um, um, level. Um, but, you know, back in July of 2017, um, the Proteas um, lost 3-1 to England in England. Um, and we lost two good players to the English county system, uh, Riley Rousseau and Kyle Abbott. And we, we, were, we were really lacking a sort of uh, a lot of depth at that time. And I was sort of a little bit worried uh, about our team. But obviously, looking at us now, we've 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 got some we've got real depth now uh, with Rabada and Giddy, Markram, Bavuma, all really young players coming through our system. So, you know, I really hope um, and, and I think the Aussies will bounce back. There's probably some some good players coming through the system there. Um, so yeah, let's let's hope um, you know they, they they really do bounce back. Uh, but yeah, guys, listen. Um, thanks for having me on uh, on this wonderful podcast. Um, you know, I don't think I got to say, Chris. You know, you have a fantastic name. I think I've left it to, to this late to say, you know, bloody great name, mate. I don't know if it's a Christopher or a Christophe. You know, a bit of French influence in there. I'm not too sure. Um, but I can't believe I've left it this long, CTV, to say fantastic name, mate. Um, and you know the level of, of commentary and insightfulness is just fantastic on this podcast. I mean, like CTB said, I mean this is high grade fertilizer. Yeah, it's really good shit. You know, it's good stuff. I love it. You know, um, and for me, you know, it's just been so good for us to beat the Aussies. It's not often that you know we comprehensively, absolutely smash you guys. So it's great for us to to be really. Uh, sort of on top, not not of the not the best in the world at, world at the moment, and sort of t in, in the test rankings, but we bloody good, you know. Uh, we spank the Indians, we spank the Aussies, you know. We 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 ready to take on big things now. So y'all boys, Pad, thanks so much, mate. It's been a bloody bloody great time, mate. Bloody bloody great. I'm gonna finish off. I'm gonna turn this a little bit higher. I'm going to finish off by just paying a bit of a tribute to our great Mornay Marco. What a bloody legend. Great contributions in this test and he's a bloody beauty. Alright, Paddy, CTB, good day Australia and bloody it's been great, mate. Alright, Pad, see you later. And unexpectedly, but here's an extra piece of joy for you, ladies and gentlemen. Here is the final bulletin from a Brit. 
from Tom the Hawk Hawkey. Hi, Tom K. Hawkey here for your final bulletin from a Brit, for now. Wow, what an uneventful summer of cricket that was. It just goes to show that Test cricket is a largely dull and uneventful sport. First up, we have the Ashes. It's so long ago now that pretty much nobody can even remember the scoreline. I'm pretty sure Moeen Ali bowled like a wizard, that Steve Smith struggled with the bat, and that every test was far too close to call going into the final day. Look, let's just agree that both teams probably played really well and say no more about it. Some say that England's away form has been woeful. I disagree and only need point to the first test against the Kiwis to prove it. In their first innings, some commentators said that they were heading for the lowest test score in history. In reality, they posted the 35th lowest. If that doesn't keep the naysayers quiet, I don't know what will. OK, so maybe it is a little concerning that England haven't managed an away test win in 13 tests. Still, Bangladesh had a losing streak of 21 tests, and according to the two-minute bit of research I just did, the Ashtree Cricket Club have had a winless away streak that stretches to 35 years, so England aren't in such a bad shape after all. Meanwhile, over in South Africa, Cameron Bancroft showed that he is the last person you want to get in to do your home improvement, after he confused sandpaper for electrical tape. Still, He's got plenty of time to hone his DIY skills now that he won't be on the cricket field for a while. Smith was cute in his bullish defiance to step down before the entire world politely told him what they thought of that plan. His later tears did seem genuine, though I felt the Aussie public were far too quick to let him off the hook after his waterworks. That said, I am a primary school teacher and I see the cry defence all too often. However, none of the kids I teach have ever employed it quite so badly as Davy Warner. He's not going to get any acting awards anytime soon, especially after he forgot his lines and kept repeating the same one over and over. Hey, Davy, do you want a free donut? I'm here today to accept my responsibility for my part, my involvement in what happened in Cape Town. Yeah, I thought you might say that. The saddest part about the ball-tampering saga was that Australia didn't feel the need to cheat against England. I insist that you guys have the decency to bring your toolboxes over in 2019 and give us the same respect. No promises, TK, but we will see what we can do. Thank you, mate, for an excellent bulletin from a Brit, as per usual, and for all your work this year. Thank you very much to our wonderful correspondents for all their work over the last year, um, the last sort of four or five months, really. Tom the Hawk Hawkey, uh, Chris the Goodman Goodrick, who came in at late notice and uh, did a wonderful job, um, and, and arguably one of the, the best, worst Australian accent impressions I've ever heard, Chris. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was odd. <laughs> it was a weird moment for us all. Definitely. Definitely. I mean, it's, it's a unique thing. What else can we say? Uh. Um, mate, that's the end. That is the end of, uh, two for none for 2018, 2017, 18, should I say. Um, and before we sign off for a final time, is there any, any final thoughts, mate, that you'd like to leave the people marinating on before cricket returns? Um, <laughs> I'm sure this, we can move this out, right? Uh, <laughs> final thoughts, final thoughts, um, cricket, 
it's not whether you win or lose. It's not even how you play the game. It's the cake you have at tea time <laughs> that matters most. It's the platters that matter. Forget about bowlers. Forget about batters. <laughs> because when it's all said and done, we won't worry about Warn or the Don. It just comes down to the jam in the Lamington. <laughs> so enjoy your snack before you head back out into the field for that willow once again you will wield and we will have fun once again just like we did on two for none ah amazing amazing let's that is us folks we are freaking out of here thank you so much for listening um we really loved doing this part and we'll be back again later on thank you chris for spitting some fat rhymes for us at the end of the year you're an absolute legend mate and we will be back later on to reboot and when the next cricket comes we'll be there for it in the meantime check out our facebook page go leave us some likes on the itunes store and be a bunch of absolute legends which i know you all will be we have been patrick cohen chris barty this has been two for none Go those bloody houses.